Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Well, folks, welcome to the free Savage Nation podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you, but for those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast. We're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. And if you want to join, simply go to michaelsavage.com and click on the exclusive club link. It's that easy. You're going to get things you can't get anywhere else. I appreciate it very much. I hope you join the Savage Exclusive Club. I want to thank you very much for supporting the Savage Nation podcast, either the free version or the paid version. Your patronage, it's appreciated. It's that simple. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast. Today's topic is entitled Minority Crime Wave Sweeping America. Something we're not supposed to note. We're not supposed to note the fact that there's a crime wave because the big lie is that Biden has made everyone calm. And the second big lie is that the crime is being spread by whites or white nationalists when the opposite is true. It is distinctly minorities, primarily black males. So here are some headlines for you to digest headlines that we have found around the nation over the last few weeks and months watch another random attack by a black male and a small female the unnamed man reportedly punched an unsuspecting woman the attack goes on for about a minute only then do people start to gather around the suspect and the victim sheriff's detectives say the woman suffered severe injuries they say the man grabbed her by her hair and slammed her head into the car the gas pump and the ground black teen tries to set asian woman's hair on fire on city bus police blur face of teen not a white nationalist four black males suspected in the shooting of blm sasha johnson blacks and latinos constitute 90 percent of arrests for anti-asian hate crimes at nyc according to a study watch a viral video shows white mother brutally beaten by an obese black woman no media outrage watch I can't wait until black people lynch white people, says Antifa BLM activists at police appreciation event in Washington. I can't wait until black people lynch white people. Watch, F you Chinese people, I hate you. Black male yells as he punches Asian shop owner in Washington, D.C. 
Watch black woman beats Asian woman. Not a hate crime in NYC. Another random black attack on a white man. Watch Black Lives Matter activists intimidate an Asian nail salon in Milwaukee. No justice! No peace! 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 Three black men viciously assault and rob Asian man in San Francisco. Watch Asian tourists robbed by black male in San Francisco fights back and wins. New York activists respond to brutal attack on Asian man by rallying against white nationalism, even though the culprit was black. Man begs carjacker not to shoot pregnant wife is shot in the head. Media blackout. Some white people may have to die for black communities to be made whole, says a teaching assistant. Jewish NFL player subject to black anti-Semitism. That would be Julian Edelman. Watch anti-Semitic robbers snatch yarmulke and money from Jewish man in NYC. Watch mob of Arabs beats Jewish man in NYC. Watch African-American woman forces airline to kick Jewish family off a plane because their two-month-old was eating without a mask. NYPD, an attack on a Hasidic Jewish man under investigation as attempted robbery, not a hate crime. So many blacks unhinged attacking innocent Jews. Why the silence from Biden's race Gestapo? Khalid Awad charged in stabbing of Boston area rabbi. He was an immigrant, by the way, from Egypt. America's anti-Semitism crisis worsens. Teen in chokehold. Feces outside synagogue. Man torches community center. Temple goers get armed escorts. It's a scary time for L.A. Jews as attacks bring heightened security and anxiety. Can America be America when Jews are beaten in the streets? Critical race theory in California is cleansing Jews from history. Man who screamed anti-Semitic remarks to man and son of Miami Beach arrested, cops say. That's in Miami. Watch oppressed minorities loot and destroy black-owned business. Watch Black Lives Matter thugs chase Jews from their riots. Call them Satan. Black Lives Matter thugs assault Jews for Trump. Why don't you awaken to who they really are? And more and on, and those are some of the stories that I have linked up on michaelsavage.com over the last few weeks and months. The question is, where is this coming from? Why is it arising? The answer is it's coming from the top down. The answer is it's coming from the American liberal elite who have unleashed this violence under the guise of anti-liberalism, under the guise of white supremacy, transphobia, misogynistic eugenicism. It's a weapon that the elite are using to attack America. Now, many of you understand that the CRT debate is a tempest. It's a fight. It's a battle for the soul and survival of America. And that has been building for five years or so. There is a great article I will direct you to written by Andrew Sullivan in the weekly dish called What Happened to You? The Radicalization of the American Elite Against Liberalism. There's so much in that article, I suggest you read it yourself, to see this stunning shift in the belief system of the American elites, where the entire society has been spun into cultural dislocation. He calls it an ongoing moral panic against the specter of, quote, white supremacy, which they say is regarded as an accurate description of the largest, freest, most successful multiracial democracy in human history. And he claims it's the elites who are doing this, and it's trickling down to the thugs in the streets. He quotes a New York Times star, so-called Kara Swisher, 
who celebrated this week, quote, that the country's social justice movement is reshaping how we talk about, well, everything, uh, certainly inside the New York Times. And the core point of this movement today is that liberalism is no longer enough. It's not just not enough, but liberalism is a means to perpetuate so-called white supremacy, which is designed to oppress, harm, and terrorize minorities and women. And that's what they're doing today. And this new orthodoxy, this new fascism, is leading to the violence in the streets. This is well beyond what you may think is going on. Now, we're all sure that this radical left-wing communistic movement, which is bringing about hatred and violence, will lead to the downfall of the Democrat Party during the midterm elections. I am not so sure, and we'll talk about that at another time. We're no longer in the age of Obama. We're no longer in the age of Biden when he was younger. The fact of the matter is the left wing is out of control and their distorted view of history is what is provoking the low life, low IQ violence, violent types in the streets to attack the most vulnerable who happen to be Jews who are dressed in religious garb and Asians who are dressed in their raciality. This is their violence. Their street thugs are the new S.A. And the fact of the matter is that it must be stopped. And we'll talk about that at another time. There is no longer any due process on campus. There is no longer privacy in America. There's only anonymous rape accusations, exposure of private emails, committing of violence against people's private homes, exposés of sexual encounters, yelling at people in restaurants, Nonviolence? Are you joking? There are exceptions to nonviolence on the left. If you want to punch a fascist, go ahead and do so. You want to have free speech? Good. Only if you don't mind being thrown out of your job and being called a right-wing maniac. You want religious freedom? Not if you're a leftist. You want bigotry? You want equality? No. There is no equality now. The new code word is equity, which means give me what I have not earned. And that individuals of the wrong identity must be attacked and discriminated against. You believe in colorblindness? Sullivan says that's another word for racism. You believe in mercy, not for oppressors. Do you believe in objectivity? That's a racist lie. Do you believe in science? That's a manifestation of white supremacy. Do you believe in biological sex? That's been replaced by socially constructed gender so that women have penises and men have periods. Do you believe in the rule of law? Not for looters or immigrants. Do you believe in borders? That's racist, these psychos. Do you believe in the viewpoint called diversity? It's a form of violence against the oppressed. There's much more to this subject, which we'll talk about at another time. The fact of the matter is many of us believe that this will lead to a sweep of the vermin on the left in the form of the Democrats under Pelosi, Biden, and occasional cortex come the midterms. I hope that's so, but I'm not so sure. This radicalization of the elites in the United States may, in fact, may, in fact, lead to a sweep in the midterms. But I'm not so sure, since they may have stolen the election last time and control the voting machines. We do not know to this point how much of it was real and how much of it was a false. And also, Donald Trump did not help himself, incidentally. We do know that many blacks, middle class blacks and many middle class Hispanics have turned completely against the left because of this insanity, because of this madness and this obsession with race, 
the middle-class blacks and the middle-class Hispanics are turning away from this insane ideology, which is none other than Maoism in plain English. It's a new form of Maoism, which led to the deaths of 100 million people in China. That's right. It starts with demeaning people, delegitimizing people, and it ends with rounding them up and destroying them. This is an illiberal ideology that will destroy people if it is not stopped. It is already destroying people in the form of violence from the low-life, low-IQ thugs in the stores, whether it be McDonald's, an Indian-owned grocery store, a Chinese-owned grocery store, or Jews walking in the streets and committing the crime of being Jews wearing religious garb. And it's all coming from the top down. All from the top down. It's all coming from Biden, who is aiding and abetting and justifying this radicalism. And all you see in the news is him licking ice cream cones. Biden, in fact, is pushing the most radical agenda in American history. According to Mr. Sullivan, Biden has instituted a huge program of overt government race and sex discrimination throughout every policy and area of his government. Biden backs decimating due process for sexual accusations on campus. Biden wants to abolish religious freedoms as a defense of anti-gay discrimination. Biden believes that gender identity should replace sex as a legal category. Biden believes gender identity should rest entirely on self-disclosure. Biden believes in bringing in the largest group of immigrants, not stopping it. It is quoted that uh, for the hard left, quote, what they saw is that with Joe Biden, who's this throwback figure, the activists all rushed to him and get most of what they wanted from him anyway, unquote. This nihilist cult of far left Maoists will kill us. And we are hoping that the 2022 midterms will be a landslide for the GOP, as wishy-washy as they are. That's the only thing that could save us, because if they are not stopped during the midterms, all bets are off. Liberalism is dead, and Maoism is here to stay, unless this poison and nihilism of the left is stopped. In a few moments, we'll be speaking with Heather McDonald on her great article from City Journal about crime in New York City and violence, who is committing it, and the media cover-up. Back in a minute. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Today we're talking about the crime wave sweeping America that's being swept under the rug by the government media complex. And there's no one better to discuss this than uh, Heather McDonald, who has been studying crime in America for a very long time. Let me give you some background. Heather McDonald is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a great organization. She is a contributing editor at City Journal and a New York Times bestselling author. She is a recipient of the 05 Bradley Prize. Now, McDonald's work at City Journal has covered a range of topics, including higher education, immigration, policing, homeless advocacy, and criminal justice reform. Her writings have appeared widely. And she argues that toxic ideas first spread by higher education 
have undermined humanistic values, fueled intolerance, and widened divisions in our larger culture, which leads us right to today, because it is my contention that the crime wave that we are witnessing today, especially that of black males against very, very vulnerable Asians, Jews dressed in religious garb, older people, is coming from the top down. Somehow that messaging that whites are evil. Now, th- these are my words, not Miss McDonald's words. This constant harping that the white race is evil, whites are no good. You wouldn't believe this, but it's trickling down. I'm calling it trickle-down violence. Two assaults, two victims in just one week. Both were ultra-Orthodox Jews, singled out, apparently, because of how they were dressed. Punched out and cursed out with anti-Semitic slurs. And on that sad note, we now speak with an expert on the subject who knows the data. Whether you agree with me or not, before you make up your mind and think this is just racist nonsense, we'll look into the actual data with someone who studies the data. Of course, I realize that data is uh, considered racist today, as is all thought, reason, objectivity, scientific method. They're even saying the study of viruses is racist. Is this is how insane it's gotten. Heather McDonald, what's going on? Well, Dr. Savage, thank you so much for having me on again. It's an absolute delight to speak with you. And yes, by all means, let's get into the data, both regarding the phony narrative about police racism and the even broader narrative about white supremacy. But first, I want to address your qualification when you say uh, whites are evil. That is just my phrase. I disagree. That is the media's phrase. That is about as uh, literal as you can get in repeating the message that has been sent for the at least the last two years. I was always stunned when the New York Times, for day after day during the campaign, uh, repeated its its meme that Trump was being racially divisive, mm. <laughs> and I would I would pick up the I read the New York Times or I would, I would turn on CNN, and all I would hear about was white supremacy, uh, systemic racism, the fact that to be black in America today is to be subject to relentless lethal discrimination. Uh, and all that you need to do now, if you are in the mainstream media or part of a mainstream institution, to discredit an individual or a tradition is to say that that individual or tradition is white. That's all you need to know. Worse, of course, white male. So uh, your claim that it is, or, or your implication that somehow this is your interpretation of a more vague and substanceless message is far too uh, qualified on your part because that is the message that we are living with today. Every single institution of Western civilization is being dismantled under the guise of fighting a phantom white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And because every kind of meritocratic standard, whether it's in criminal justice or in uh, academic skills, is being dismantled because it has a disparate impact on blacks. Well, we're going to get into the details on this. There's a, uh, an article 
that was written by a fellow of yours, a Manhattan Institute fellow, Christopher Rufio, about a kid's book that says white is wrong. And from this book, you're not going to believe it. You, you would know this. Listen what they're teaching our children, which to me is child abuse. And I'm quoting now, a contract binding you to whiteness, you get stolen land, stolen riches, special favors. Whiteness gets to mess endlessly with the lives of your friends, neighbors, loved ones, etc. This is criminal. This is child abuse. I can't imagine this is permitted in school districts without people standing up and suing the school district immediately because I would have done it. It's unbelievable to me. It's a contract telling children they're bad because they're white. How can this be allowed in our schools? It's a violation of every federal law that is out there, Heather. How is it possible? Well, I would say it's also civilizational abuse. The great British philosopher Michael Oakeshott defined education as or a school as passing on an inheritance. Hmm. That is what education is. One generation uh, officially designated as teachers is bound to pass on a civilizational inheritance. And what we have instead now is kerosene being thrown on what I would argue has been the most profound and influential and important life-saving progress uh, creating civilization and history and and the match is is now being tossed so you know, who's st- I want to find out from you let me come to what I tweeted yesterday those pushing anti-white racial hatred as critical race theory or CRT are feeding the dark mad vision of Charles Manson's helter-skelter race war I know that's pretty inflammatory but I see that's what's coming if they don't stop it that's what's going to happen, Heather. This can't go on. Not everyone's going to roll over to these psychopaths from the liberal elite. Do they not understand there are people out here who are not going to take this crap? Well, their experiences with other members of the elite who are all too willing to roll down and, you know, uh, allow themselves to be kicked or, or you know, lick the hands of the alleged oppressed. <laughs> uh, but I agree. I mean, we've at some point if you keep talking about whites as the enemy and you are categorized, you, you've created this right. existential category of whites, how is it not just a matter of pure logic for whites to say, okay, if everybody else has ethnic identity, why don't we get it? Uh, and so that just closes the circle. And yes, I hear stories about young males who are absolutely, uh, refusing, they're starting to notice that they are the butt of endless recrimination for nothing that they themselves have done. So yes, we're definitely playing, I think, with with some kind of war, civil war, race war, you name it. There was another article I saw over the weekend that ties into what you are saying today and in your articles, which is the radicalization of the American elite against liberalism by Andrew Sullivan called What Happened to You? Did you ever, did you happen to see that article? I think it was just sent to me. Is this a recent one? Yes. And and, he, and Andrew Sullivan is a former liberal. Cause I don't know what his background is, but he was, wasn't he fired from the New York magazine for his unacceptable policies? I believe so. But the point is, is that he claims all of this movement against whites 
is coming from the ex-liberal elites who now say liberalism itself is no longer enough. They need to have something far more radical than liberalism. And that is the destruction of Western civilization. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Look closely at this surveillance video as a man is seen running down the street, then tackles another man and forces him against a fence, choking and punching him. I turned around and I see that he's right behind me and he jumped me. And then he says, I hate Jews. The victim, an Orthodox Jewish man, didn't want to give his name. This, this is out of Nazi Germany. And if it was one case, we wouldn't be talking about it. But it's not one case or Asians being beaten up. How do the people on the bottom who don't read City Journal, who don't read the, the, the magazines or journals that we read, how are they getting the message it's okay to beat up Asians, Jews, old white people, push them downstairs? Where are they getting the message from? Well, for one thing, they are not held accountable. I mean, we've been living this, we've been enacting various fictions for the last year. We're, we're living in uh, sort of a fictional theater <laughs> where you had the months of razor wire around the Capitol to play out the fiction that the greatest threat in this country was going to come from white supremacists, violence. Uh, none of that was true, but, but we were but, but that's the message coming from the Biden camp, which is that domestic right. terrorism right. is the right. big danger. Yeah, my point is, is that we are enacting fictions. We've enacted another fiction, which is that the hate crimes against Jews and Asians are committed by whites. Uh, this is another fiction. Uh, and so when you have the spa shootings in Atlanta that was committed by a white guy, not out of any kind of anti-Asian hatred, but because he was tormented with religious guilt over his sexual inclinations and, and lust, mm. uh, that became the very symbol of the anti-Asian hatred attacks, even though it was not an anti-Asian hatred attack, and even though the attacks are coming overwhelmingly from blacks. So one thing that is fueling this is that the culture, when it comes to these, these grotesque flash mob attacks, the knockout game, uh, when you when you know that you're not going to be held responsible, when the culture at large turns its eyes away from that violence and comes up with actually false narratives about what is going on, that certainly is one thing that fuels it. Uh, and so the message, yes, you're absolutely right. The message is very clear. Uh, whites continue to oppress everybody in this world now. That was true historically. I mean, the, this country's history of treatment towards blacks is heart-wrenching. And it, it was not solved by the Civil War. Uh, it was not confined just to the South. And, and, you know, the contempt was a daily matter. Nevertheless, we have affected a sea change in our culture. Right now, the reality in our culture is black privilege. It's not white privilege. 100 there is not right. a single... There is not a single institution in this country, whether it's a law firm, a big tech firm, a corporation, a bank, uh, a government agency, a university, a college, 
nonprofits and orchestra that is not twisting itself into knots to hire and promote as many blacks as possible. Absolutely. Even if they're unqualified, we should add or less qualified. That is why we have racial preferences is because of the academic skills gap. Uh, So, but now, but Heather, this is the part that's driving me crazy. I see pictures of them, these woke mobs, white silence is violence. So if you don't say anything about what they're doing to us, that's another crime. Well, yeah, I mean, what is driving all of this, Michael, it it is a hatred for a civilization deemed too white and too male. These are people that cannot create anything comparable, and but they do have the power of tearing down. They have the power of of negation. My my interpretation over the last couple of years for a lot of most everything that is happening now that is so destructive of civilization is a huge part of it is driven by the ongoing skills and behavior gap between whites and blacks. So a lot of these civil rights thugs who have made fortunes off the Civil Rights Act have disappeared. They've been replaced by far more violent and angry people. Who is driving this? How do we stop them? I don't think there's a single source. The conservatives like to, you know, finger the Soros people uh, because you want to have something you can focus your ire against. I think this is an ideology that does go back very far. It's an anti-bourgeois ideology. It began in the 60s when you had for the first time a, a culture that is so affluent that teenagers have their own spending money, which is something unprecedented in human history. And 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 you had a, a capitalist culture that started to cater to teenage tastes. These teenagers who were toying with the wonderful idea of rebellion against their parents, even as though they were using their parents' credit card to pay for their trips to the ashram, you know, to study uh, <laughs> with under the, the latest guru. Uh, and, and so this was a self-indulgence that was, you know, fueled by the very success of individual rights and capitalist exchange. Uh, but, but as I say, I think my interpretation of this, Michael, is that the, the white elites are terrified that the academic skills gap, the crime gra- gap, is not going to close, despite decades of efforts and trillions of dollars to do so. And so they are working out preemptively the only allowable explanation, which is white supremacy. You were not allowed to talk about inner city culture. You were not allowed to talk about family breakdown. You're not allowed to talk about the anti-acting white stigma. You're not allowed to talk about the fact that blacks do one quarter, spend one quarter of the time on homework than Asians do. Mm. That's going to affect uh, how much they learn. There's a standard deviation in test scores between blacks and whites. The average black 12th grader reads at the level of the average white 8th grader. Uh, They write that off and say that's, again, white supremacy. There's nothing that does not have that answer. Uh, Fill uh, Fill in the blank with white supremacy. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. The victim was collecting cans on this corner last night when he was approached from behind and attacked, then stomped. 
He is now fighting for his life in the hospital. This is the latest incident in what has been a rash of crimes against Asians in this city. Heather, you're an expert on the data. So people may be listening and saying, oh, we've heard all of this before. They're just anti-black. They can say anything they want. And it doesn't matter what they say. Let's look at statistics which don't lie. Let's look at the crime in New York City. You looked at Brooklyn's Brownsville and Bed-Stuy neighborhoods where there were 170% more shooting victims in 2020 than in 2019, 151% more shooting incidents, murder up 94% in these parts of Brooklyn, and it was not gang areas that were afflicted. And you go into the details. And you say that office workers have been attacked, people on cars, and you say blacks make up about, I'm quoting your article now from City Journal, blacks make up about 12% of the nation's population, but they account for one-third of the combined federal and state prison roles. Their per capita rate of imprisonment is more than four times higher than the per capita imprisonment rate of whites. Their argument would be that's because of racism, right? Plug in the, plug in the formula, racism. Doesn't matter what the crime is, the answer is always the same. But the data doesn't lie. Then you go into other data here, which is the uh, higher black crime rate, which you can't talk about. And you say the black incarceration rate, and I'm quoting now, is driven by convictions for violent crime, not as popular law has it by convictions for drug offenses. 62% of black prisoners in state facilities, which house the vast majority of the nation's prisoners, were serving time for a violent offense in 2018, compared with 48% of white state prisoners. What about the shooting? You know, this all escalated after the merciless killing of one black man by Derek Chauvin, which I objected to at the time. I thought it was horrible to watch him choke the life out of that man. I know the man's background was criminal. Man, I can't breathe my face. Just get up. What do you want? I can't breathe. Get him, get in the car. Mama. Get up, get in the car, right? I can't. He didn't have to kill him. It was a horrible thing to watch. The world watched it, but seems to have given license to this crime wave. This current tsunami of crime seems to be emanating from that incident. Or am I mistaken in that? Did it start before it? Well, we went through this before in 2015 and 2016 with what I called the Ferguson effect, which was ah. the, the riots uh, after the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri in August 2014. Mm -hmm. You had a similar uh, moment where the elites embraced the idea that the police were systemically racist. This was a hands up, don't shoot, was a phony narrative. The, mm. the Obama Justice Department came in and disproved it. Nevertheless, the uh, narrative was set in motion that the police were systemically biased. There were riots across the country. The police backed off of proactive policing. That is, proactive policing is discretionary policing. It's what cops don't have to do. Uh, it, they have to answer 911 calls. If there's been a robbery, they come and they take a robbery report. That's reactive policing. Proactive policing is when an officer uses his powers of observation, his mm -hmm. knowledge of, of patterns of crime, of locations, gets out of his car at 2 a.m. in the morning, 
to stop somebody, ask a few questions, who's hitching up his waistband as if he has a gun on a known drug corner. Mm -hmm. Officers don't have to do that. They can drive on by. And when they're told relentlessly by the elites that they are racist for making those (laughs) proactive stops in high crime neighborhoods, they're going to do less of it, understandably. Cops in 2015 and 2016 backed off. Stops, arrests, drug arrests went way down. Crime in the 2015 and 2016, homicides had their largest two-year increase Mm. in the nation's history. Another 2,000 black lives were taken compared to 2014 numbers. What we're seeing now, I've called the Minneapolis effect or Ferguson effect 2.0, is far, far worse. It is, I mean, you're right. The media has blacked this out. There is hardly a single city now that is not living through an absolute tsunami of these mindless drive-by shootings. It's happening on a daily basis. Kids are getting mowed down in their beds, in their front yards, on their porches, at barbecues, in their parents' cars. Nobody gives a damn. But the extent of crime is totally out of control. And what's driving it is the false narrative about policing. The police cannot fight crime without having a disparate impact on blacks. This is why I brought up the disparate impact concept early on, Michael, because it is so destructive. It presumes that behavior is the same, academic skills are the same when they are not. Here's the, here's the reality. Blacks die of homicide in this country at the, between the ages of 10 and 43 at 13 times the rate of whites. 13 times the rate of whites. Who is killing them? Not cops, not other whites, but other blacks. Mm. The, the homicide disparities between whites and blacks are about 13 times. Uh, and so when the police get a shots fired call on their radio, meaning somebody's been shot or there's, there's a shooting that has been picked up on, co- on shot spot or something, they are almost inevitably called to minority neighborhoods on behalf of minority victims and being given this, the, the description of a suspect, if anyone is cooperating with the police for once, of a minority suspect. Uh, the, in New York City, blacks and Hispanics commit over 96% of all drive-by shootings. Whites well, less can than you 2%. Explain the drive- can you explain the drive-by shootings to me? Are they just randomly shooting or is it gang-related to other gangs? It's gang related. It's retaliatory. It's somebody who feels dissed or that is, you know, sisters feel dissed or the girlfriend feels dissed. dissed. Quite a word. Yeah. Like this. You kill someone for this. I've been dissed my whole I've been dissed my whole life. All I did was study harder (laughs) and try to prove I was I was capable of more than they said I was. That's that's what I did by being dissed. But you you give data. You say um, let's talk about the killing of blacks by police. Another lie. Um. And you give the data. In 2019, there were 25 incidents in which NYPD officers intentionally shot criminal suspects. The second lowest number of officer-involved shootings since records were first kept 50 years ago. To put those 25 citywide shooting incidents in perspective, in 2019, the 36,000-some-odd members of the NYPD responded to more than 6.4 million calls for service. More than 64,000 of those calls involved weapons. 25 shootings and 11 fatalities are remarkably few given the size of New York and the NYPD. But what about the vastly higher black crime rate you are talking about? Uh, What is behind it? What is driving it? What do you think is driving it? 
Well, the root cause is family breakdown, which means that kids are not getting socialized. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is on average, the, the social science is indisputable. Children need a male, a father, and a mother. Uh, there's many heroic single mothers that are trying against the odds to raise self-controlled, law-abiding children, males and females, uh, and and some are succeeding. But the but on average, as, as Barack Obama acknowledged in a great 2018 Father's Day speech in Chicago when he was running for president, mm. the odds are against them. Uh, you know, children growing up in single parent homes are far more likely to end up in poverty, to end up in the gang, to end up in prison, to drop out of school, to not learn to read properly. Because uh, for one thing, you know, you only have half of the emotional resources. A mother gets stressed out, but the children need the male role models. But the other fact that is less acknowledged of the consequence of the breakdown of the marriage norm is that if, if young males are raised in a world where it is assumed that they have license to impregnate, serially impregnate a bunch of females and not take responsibility mm. For their children, they have no incentive to develop the bourgeois norms of deferred gratification, self-control, hard work that makes them a viable mate. And so, you know, they can be, there is, you know, a, there is a type of toxic masculinity that is real. I don't say that defines males. I think males. I watch the MMA system. fights. That's toxic masculinity. But they go in a ring and try to kill each other. That's toxic masculinity, but it's not in the streets by and large. Right. And that even that probably has rules. And, you know, it has, it has some rules, like when you break your leg and you're on the ground being pounded, you stop before you kill the other person. Yeah, well, there there is, you know, male testosterone and aggression and risk taking is very high and channeled in the right directions. That gives us civilization. It gives us exploration. It gives us good competition. It gives us the passion for knowledge. Uh, but but without that, it can result in brutality and sadism. And that's what we're seeing in the inner city where you do not have children who have learned to control their impulses. And so if they feel dissed, uh, they are going to grab uh, whatever weapon is at hand uh, and and start shooting without any concern for life. So well, let's talk about the crime, the minority crime I'm seeing in the news almost every day. Let's say woman goes into a, a 7 -11. they didn't put sauce on a on a chicken sandwich at mcdonald's she goes crazy in the mcdonald's beats people up throws trays wrecks the place we're not talking killing now we're talking about violence emanating out of a minority community amongst the poorest class of Americans working in fast food restaurants, in, in little grocery stores, they'll wreck a whole store over an, an apparent dislike for something or a disrespect. How has this become somehow, how do they get licensed to do this all of a sudden? How, do, how Where did the lack of control emanate from that used to be there? Well, first of all, I'm going to just bring up disparate impact again. We have lost confidence in bourgeois norms that say you respect property, uh, you respect others, you control your impulses because the criminal law and, and those norms do have a disparate impact on the black underclass. If you enforce them, you will have 
uh, disparities in the prison population because of the crime rate being so much higher. And so we've decided to not enforce the law rather than to expect uh, law-abiding behavior. And so we are unwinding the entire criminal justice system. We've got this de-incarceration movement. We've got the decriminalization movement uh, because all of, all of law has a disparate impact on blacks. Where So you have, you're sending the message that it is expected. I mean, this is what happens, you know, with the riots. We now have sent the message that we expect blacks to riot <laughs> if there is a shooting or if there is a, a, a court decision that they don't like. Look at how the country barricaded itself in preparation for the Derek Chauvin verdict. That was preceded by a summer of, of cities barricading themselves against black riots. And there's never really much condemnation in elite discourse. It is just assumed that that is something that blacks get to do to express their their. So uh, we need a law and order candidate across the land. We need to wipe away the district attorneys put in by George Soros's money like we have in San Francisco here. We have a DA in this city, as you probably well know, the son of a convicted terrorist. But then the DA virtually there is no crime for him other than i guess racism sexism and homophobia you saw gangs going into upscale stores in san francisco just last week gangs black gangs now in plain english driving up in cars going into high-end stores and stealing a hundred thousand dollars worth of expensive handbags running out into waiting cars no one stops them Police is standing in the street, actually, picture of the police in the street, not arresting them. There's a lawlessness, Heather, that has escalated rapidly in the last few months since Biden's been elected. I'm not blaming Biden, but it seems to me they think that they now have the license to rob at will. These gangs do. And it's frightening. But you want to see how crazy it is for my I, I was reading this Sullivan article on what happened to you, tying into what you're saying. Look how crazy this is. The structural oppression is white supremacy uh, to describe a hegemony that is saturated with anti-blackness, misogyny and transphobia in a miasma of social cis heteronormative patriarchal white supremacy. Who's writing this stuff in the universities? They're writing this stuff that no one even understands. And well, it's resulting in a violence in the streets is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's coming from liberal elites. Yeah, it's coming from academia. There's no question. I mean, that that type of jargon has been going on for the last 50 years, at least. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's not just in San Francisco where there's black gangs that are looting. That that goes on, went on in New York. It goes on in Chicago. We've had flash mobs for years. Again, these flash mobs that go, th they're, they're black kids that run through cities. They beat up on whites. They step stomp on cars. They knock out windows. They country turns its eyes away because it is terrified that black dysfunction will not uh, be solved. And the only allowable explanation for it is white racism. Uh, and, and they do feel that there's license because this behavior went on, of course, during the riots in, in Minneapolis uh, in early June 2020, spread everywhere. And there was no consequences. And you have now these left-wing prosecutors who do believe that crime is just a racist fiction and they're refusing to prosecute. They're the, I think the most appalling crime that is being 
taken off the prosecution list, whether it's in uh, New York City or or Chicago or or George Gascon in L.A. or, or Chesa Boudin in, in San Francisco is resisting arrest. When a prosecutor tells suspects, criminal suspects, that they can resist arrest, a lawful arrest of a police officer with impunity, uh, that is the thing, the, the final straw that, that you pull it and it unravels the entire system because police officers are symbols as well as ag- agents. They are mm. symbols of our commitment that everybody follows the law, that we are bound as citizens by a single standard of behavior. We don't make exceptions based on color, based on well, sex. But they are making exceptions, yes. and it's leading to a, to an unaccountable totalitarian control of our society, which, according to Sullivan, again, is the darling of every single elite institution in America. And they give them platforms to talk about this rising totalitarianism. Look, <clears throat> this is nothing new in a way. It's just taking a different form of Mao Zedong's revolution in China. I've seen it. I've read some of the great books written by the women who survived the cultural revolution in China. What happened to them stage by stage, step by step. And I want to remind our audience today, Heather, and I got to go back to the Holocaust uh, as a Jewish person. I studied this since I'm very young. Do you know that the first law against Jews was rather none? It was rather benign in Germany. They didn't, death camps didn't originate overnight. It was step by step, day by day. They degraded the Jews first, the way whites are being degraded now. But it started with a rather benign law. The first law was Jews cannot swim in public pools where Aryans swim. Jews said to hell with it, who cares? It was that benign. And step by step, day by day, the Jews were defamed, debased, put down, made into subhumans, the same way whites are now being targeted by the illiberal left in the United States of America and this unaccountable totalitarian control that is rising in this nation has to be stopped. And I'm doing my little party by talking about it. You're doing your part by writing about it and speaking about it. But at the top of the heap, we have Biden, who is actually aiding and abetting all of this. His policies aid and abet all of this stuff. He's not disconnected from it. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. A 65-year-old Asian-American woman on her way to church in Hell's Kitchen on 43rd Street kicked in her stomach, then her head stomped on not once, not twice, but three times. And then the suspect telling his victim, F you, you don't belong here. The building staff in front of where this happened callously shutting the door on her, leaving the helpless victim to fend for herself. The staff has been suspended pending further investigation. So I keep hearing, Heather, that we're going to win in during the midterms. We're going to take back Congress. I hear that from a lot of people. A lot of people have been awakened to what's going on. You see them rising up in private schools in New York, ex-liberals taking the kids out of school, parents standing up at the CRT thing, get it out of the school, states are standing up to it. Let's talk about that election, the midterms. Do you actually think the Republicans will win the House? Just for a minute. If you want to guess, well, I, I'm a pessimist by nature, and so it's welcome very to the hard. pessimist club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I view it rationally as a rationality club. Of course, they would say that we're 
we pessimists are blind to reality. Like, don't you see all the reasons for hope? And I say, don't you see? But nothing's ever gotten better. You know, tell me what's gotten better since 1960. So, so I don't know. You know, so I, 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 I can't escape my constitutional predilections. Uh, I, I'm not convinced the way many of our uh, conservative and Republican colleagues are that that there will be that big of a backlash, uh, because I do think that the left is so controlling our discourse. Uh, now, it, it may be that, you know, the hatred for Trump was so great that it drove sort of moderates away from the Republican Party. And maybe they will come back in 2024 with, with him not around and on, on the ballot. Uh, but, but still, I would say that that will be, even if it happens, a temporary provisional victory. Mm. That unless, unless we attack the core claims being made here, the mm. left ends. And that is why I keep stressing as long as bias remains the only allowable explanation for ongoing racial mm. disparities, the left wins because that mm. that gives them the excuse to dismantle our institutions. We have to bite the bullet and talk about the pathological behaviors that are resulting in the fact that, yes, there's a higher black incarceration rate. Yes, there's a a lower rate of, of capital formation, thanks to differences in, in predilections for saving and, and different consumption habits. Yes, there is not proportional representation at Google or, or Amazon of black engineers. Why? Because 54% of black eighth graders don't even have basic reading. They don't even have partial mastery of basic math skills for an But isn't that white supremacy? Well, at I'm some joking. point- I'm joking, of course, that's the to... argument for everything. Right. It, it's but... all a result of an oppressive system that says mathematics, they're saying mathematics is racist. Science right. is racist. Reason yeah. is racist. This social justice movement is insane. And I can go back to my simple phrase of liberalism as a mental disorder. That's not gonna solve anything. We have the freest, most successful multiracial democracy in human history in this country that's being dismantled, dismantled on a daily basis by the social justice movement being generated by the far left in academia, in the New York Times. And critical race theory is only one part of it. The crime in the streets is an expression of their intellectual belief system trickling down to the street level. And, well, you, you know, you said something today that I won't forget too quickly, which is that even if the House is turned on its head during the midterm elections and Republicans take the House, it's not going to change very much because the structure of psychic violence upon white people is now almost embedded in the universities. I don't think it's going to change. And they're brainwashing a whole generation of young pioneers of almost the Khmer Rouge like people from the age of Pol Pot, which is what terrifies me some nights. I see these, quote, woke mobs in the streets as the Khmer Rouge of our society, Heather. No peace! No justice! No peace! No peace! No peace! How are we ever going to change what is going on inside the universities and inside the New York Times, for example, when they are so committed to their doxy? 
Well, yeah, you know, that's why all these corporations are going left is because they get more and more legions of college graduates that have been brainwashed in this hatred and this lack of gratitude. The publisher, Kate Hartson, had to, she was fired from, here's a publisher that did five of my last books, five New York Times bestsellers. They were all conservative books. She published a lot of conservative books, not just mine. They actually fired her because none of the girls who came out of the university would work at that company anymore if she was still there. Would you believe this? I certainly would. It's hilarious. And, and I, I can tell you what they said. They said, we feel unsafe. It is the, yeah. you know, this maudlin, this maudlin self-involved, self-engrossed narrative of unsafety and victimology. It makes me want to throw up. I've, been <laughs> at, I've, I've spoken at college campuses where students, you know, walk out because they say they're they're so oppressed by my presence there. And and if you tell them that you are not oppressed, you are privileged to be in a university and have at your fingertips the thing that Faust sold his soul for, which is knowledge, they get furious. Never tell a college student that he is not oppressed. It is an incredible insult to his ego. Uh, but that 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 phony rhetoric of, of crocodile tears of, oh, I feel so unsafe. Of course, I believe that it's, it's right out. Of, it started in the university and now it's being echoed in every universe, in every mainstream institution. You know, the, the James Bennett and his, his deputy editor got fired from the New York Times because they published Tom Cotton's op-ed calling for a federal response to the riots of 2020 mm. summer Unbelievable. Uh, because, because it made blacks at, at New York Times feel unsafe to publish a stupid op-ed, which was purely within mainstream opinion. And even if it wasn't, so what? It doesn't make you unsafe. So I'm not surprised. Uh, I don't know if there's any hope for the universities, which is a very hard thing for me to say, because for much of my life, that's all I aspired to be was a university professor. I think there's no greater calling in life than to be the curator of this tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... Uh, to, to turn our eyes away and say it, it cannot be fixed is very, very hard for me, but I don't think it can be. We need alternative institutions. Mm -hmm. But I come back again, Michael, you, you said, well, if you if you talk about the facts of the skills gap, they'll just blame systemic racism. I don't care. The fact of the matter is, is that the facts are not out there. Uh, and And if we can at least get them out there, that is more than the situation today. So I am relentless about talking about the academic skills gap, the crime gap. And I have a thought experiment, which is that, you know, right now we have real racial disparities. So the, the preferred explanation is systemic bias. So here's a thought experiment. If blacks acted like Asians, in all ways related to success. They, they took their textbooks home to study. They went to class. They weren't truant. Blacks are truant at four times the rate mm. of, of whites. Uh, they obeyed their teacher. They respected authority. They didn't get involved in gangs. They didn't get involved in mm. drugs. All in the model of Asians. You know, Asians have the lowest out of redlock birth rate in the country. Mm. It's about 16% compared to about 71% of blacks. If, if, if blacks did all of that, they, they followed the bourgeois script for success for 10 years, and we still saw the racial disparities that we do, then I will accept and contemplate the explanation of racism. But at this point, mm -hmm. when the behavioral disparities are so large and so glaring, it is way premature 
to say that the only possible explanation for those disparities is racism. And as I say, Michael, this is the reality. If, if racism remains the only allowable explanation, they win, because that's why they're tearing down math. That's why they're tearing down standards in science. That's why they're tearing down science. They can't do the subjects. I, know, I understand it very well. I understand very well what's going on. So do you. That's why we're discussing this. And I want to go back to the cures. There used to be a thing called profiling, which you touched on in a, in a tangential way in your conversation today. Where if the police went through an area and they saw a guy with a you know something in his pants that didn't look like a part of his anatomy, they could pull him over and, and usually there was a gun there, not a part of the guy's anatomy. And they got a gun-wielding thug off the streets before he shot somebody. That's now called racial profiling. That's called racism. Anyone who has a reality fix on life is called a racist. But, you know, we have to look at the disproportionate criminal activity as well as other undesirable behavior that is rampant in this criminal population right now. There are issues of family, education, the work ethic, negative attitudes, drug use. But where are the black leaders actually talking about these things? Instead, they're justifying these negative attributes. And they say it's due to uh, racism. And at the same time, now they're attacking white people for following the rules. Those, as you say, Asians or whites who study, work hard, do their homework, don't get into gangs. They're being shamed for this. And the solution, I believe, is what we're doing today. Little by little, we can face this and defeat it the same way fascism was defeated before. This is a form of fascism that is now intellectual, trickling down into the streets of violence. I want to thank uh, Heather for being with us today on the uh, Michael Savage podcast. Heather McDonald, I followed your work for many, many years. Not only your writings, but your speaking. What's next for you, Heather McDonald? What's next for you? Is it at the Manhattan Institute? Is it a book? What are you doing next? Well, Michael, I've been writing about the attack on our civilization. I've got a very big piece coming out any day now in City Journal on the uh, Black Lives Matter attack on classical music, which is the thing that's nearest and dearest to my heart. On classical music, it's considered racism also? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, entire, the entire tradition is white male racist colonialist and orchestras are racist even though auditions are blind behind a screen. It's, it's an absolutely shocking thing that's going on. How does this not stop? Heather, this is crazy. You know, here in San Francisco, they had the same thing a number of years ago where there were too many, quote, whites being accepted into the San Francisco Symphony because they were better. It was all done behind curtains. No one could see who was playing. So there were so many white people winning positions in the San Francisco Symphony. They took away the curtain and they said, select someone based upon the fact that they're a woman or a, quote, minority of color. And don't pick a white male. The San Francisco Symphony now sounds like a junior high school orchestra, by the way. Which is not to argue, by the way, that there aren't phenomenal minority musicians. I certainly understand the quality of music, not being an expert, but I listen to some of the great jazz, Charlie Parker, I could name all of them. And I understand how great the musicians can be. But how do you attack classical music as being racist simply because you can't do it? 
It's the same thing. Who's going to fly our airplanes in five years if this keeps up? A moron can't keep up in math, can't keep up in science, but I want to be a pilot. Okay, here's a pilot wing. We'll put it on you. Now go fly that 740s. Go fly the 737-57. I don't know how to fly it. That's racism to tell me I got to fly the thing. Where are we going with this? Did they not understand where this leads? Well, it's going to change when white kids start getting shot in drive-by shootings. It's going to change when people can't select their doctor and they've got somebody who's been pushed through medical school who is underqualified. I've had that happen. (laughs) Believe me, I've had that happen. I've seen it all over the place. They're bringing in immigrants from third world countries. So I don't know how they got even a license to practice in America. Some of them forget the language barrier. They don't even know medicine. How are they making them doctors, Heather? How is this happening? Well, first of all, it's the Asians that are succeeding in classical music, you know, and and so as usual, you know, any kind of racial preferences, yes, it, it disadvantages whites, but it really disadvantages Asians because they are living by bourgeois norms that put every other group in society to shame. Yeah. Uh, so uh, all I can say is it's, it's going to end when people stop being browbeaten by racism. They refuse to apologize. They refuse to uh, cop to uh, attitudes they don't have when when we start recognizing that this society today, whatever its history, and again, there is nobody that's going to, I am not going to uh, whitewash that history, which is really tragic and heartbreaking, but it is it is behind us now. We are a different society, and we have to speak about- The Civil Rights Acts of the 1960s under Johnson leveled the playing field. I'm a product of affirmative action against me. I was blocked from teaching, which was my chosen profession. And I found another profession called radio where my audience in one day was greater than that. I would have had over 20 years as a teacher. Fine. It was the way fate pushed me. Other men don't have the drive. I have the immigrant drive that I have to succeed. They break and they fall out of the intellectual thought class. And as a result, we have morons who've taken over academia and because they cannot keep up with the standards that had been established through centuries of hard work and brilliance, they're now saying all the standards were wrong. Heather McDonald, we can talk about this an awful lot. Minority crime wave sweeps America is how I put it. How can people follow your work is what I want to know, because they have to know where to find you. What do we do? We go to your city journal. What else? Well, the Manhattan Institute has a Twitter feed for me that tends, it does uh, whatever I've written new or, or new uh, TV slots or whatever. This podcast will be up on my Twitter feed. So if you just search Heather McDonald, it's M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D, Twitter. I, I don't actually know the handle off the top of my head, but if you just search for me and, and Twitter, you'll get that. And that's probably the most efficient way. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, my books are, are also pretty good re- representations of my thought, The Diversity Delusion, which was the most recent uh, that, that talks about the academic industrial complex and its poison mm-hmm. that it's pouring into the American psyche. And then The War on Cops that gives mm-hmm. a lot of the data about police shootings and the phony narrative about police racism. Mm-hmm. Heather McDonald, you're an encyclopedia of knowledge. <laughs> And I want to thank you for being with us today on the Michael Savage podcast. Which city are you in? Can I ask? I don't know. Where you, are you in California? Yeah, I'm in Irvine, which is the, the one remaining nice spot in California. It's actually <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Enjoy Irvine. I'm I up do. here near San Francisco where it's gloomy and foggy. No one can believe it. We have this heat wave raging through the Northwest. 
and I'm wearing winter clothing and running the heat day and night in my house. It's hard to oh. believe. I, li- I live. In- I know people say that's not possible. I- yes, it is. The hotter it is inland, the more yeah. the fog comes in off the ocean. It gets sucked right off the ocean. So I see I'm wearing a flannel shirt while I'm doing this. Can't wait to warm my hands up with a cup of coffee. <laughs> I love it. I know it's crazy. You want to go to the Antarctic? It's melting. Come up to come up to San Francisco. I'm there. Thanks for being with us, Heather, and good luck with all your endeavors. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Savage. I appreciate it. Bye now. Bye-bye. For those of you who have been requesting that we provide for you an ad-free podcast, we're going to keep doing that. And in addition to getting the ad-free podcast, which many of you want, for less than the price of a beer in a bar a month, only $3.99 a month, you're going to get an occasional monologue from me. Maybe I'll read from one of my novels. You're going to get an archive piece going back to 1994. Whatever comes up, you're going to get on an occasional basis. Details will be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join, simply go to michaelsavage.com and click on the exclusive club link. It's that easy. You're going to get things you can't get anywhere else. And thanks for supporting the Michael Savage podcast. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed and learned something from it. And I want to remind you of something that I think is important for you to know. We have over 280 Savage Nation podcast episodes available to you absolutely free. I'll say that again. You can go back into this vast library of over 280 episodes and listen to any one of them or several of them at your leisure. So you never have to be without the Savage Nation. Thank you very much for listening.